On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla makes a big push at the end of the quarter. CNBC reports on Tesla's secret Skunk Works battery project. Top Gear reviews the Performance Model 3 and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to episode 204 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This one's for June 30th, 2019. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. To my left, a relaxing Daisy the Boxer puppy as she uh, settles in and will no doubt pass out very soon here. It's late on Friday night as I record. I typically record super late Friday nights after the rest of the family's gone to bed. It has been a not super great week for me. <laughs> I had a stomach bug this week, which I got after my daughter and then wife had, so it just made its just tore its way through the family. Still kind of feeling a bit of the after effects of that, still trying to get through it. So bear with me this week, but uh, what are you going to do, right? All you can do is just uh, just soldier on. But anyway, uh, in happier news, I wanted to start the show by wishing a very happy 48th birthday to Elon Musk. His birthday is today, as I record, Friday, June 28th. You know, last year, I remembered that he spent his birthday working, like, literally all day and night at the Fremont factory during the production hell that was the Model 3 ramp. So, what's Elon doing this year? Well, someone on Twitter asked him, and he said, quote, working on Tesla Global Logistics. That's Elon for you, I guess, but you know, I have to say, I, I, I help, can't help but feel a little bit bad for him. You know, I hope he at least gets to spend some of today. I hope he got some time today with his kids, with his uh, friends, loved ones, at least a little time to himself, a little, you know, non-work time. Well, it's not only Elon Musk's birthday, but it's also the end of another fiscal quarter for Tesla. So as we, you know, I'm recording here on late Friday night as they head into the final weekend. And and I guess as you hear this, they'll be coming out of that final weekend of the quarter. I wish good luck to the entire Tesla team who, you know, they're all no, no doubt working very late this weekend to deliver every single car that they possibly can. Now, on that note, in the middle of the week, Elon sent out a motivating email to the entire company, and it read as follows. Quote, as you may have noticed, there is a lot of speculation regarding our vehicle deliveries this quarter. The reality is that we are on track to set an all-time record, but it will be very close. However, if we go all out, we can definitely do it. We already have enough vehicle orders to set a record, but the right cars are not yet all in the right locations. Logistics and final delivery are extremely important, as well as finding demand for vehicle variants that are available locally, but can't reach people who ordered that variant before the end of the quarter. I have great faith in you. Please let me know if there is anything I can do to help. Thanks, Elon. Well, this isn't the first time we've seen an email like this from him. We see these pretty regularly at the ends of quarters, meant to, of course, motivate the team, and that's great. I mean, it's that's fantastic that he, you know, he has the thought to, you know, put some encouraging words out to the team, and hopefully, uh, we'll find out here pretty soon that Tesla did indeed set a new all-time company record. Hopefully, that is what the result of the weekend's efforts will be. So. You know, a big factor in this end-of-quarter push is that, like the effort to deliver as many cars as possible at the end of Q4, so two quarters ago, for profitability reasons, you remember, Tesla did succeed in achieving profitability that quarter. They finished in the black. But like Q4, there is an added motivator on the customer service side, and that is the drop in the federal tax credit as it moves to its final phase before disappearing entirely. And yes, I say that with a little tiny asterisk because I have to know that that's barring any legislative renewal that, that would actually get uh, through and passed by the U.S. government. There have been proposals, but nothing has actually uh, been done yet. So you never know. But for now, we have to proceed as if this is it. So to remind you, the credit 
is dropping one final time now down to $1,875 of federal tax credit, which is half of what it's been for the first half of this year, uh, which was $3,750. And that was half of what it had been from Tesla's inception up through the end of calendar and fiscal 2018. That was $7,500. So, you know, last time, meaning at the end of Q4, Tesla, well, not, not at the end of Q4, but shortly thereafter, at the end of Q4, Tesla made some price cuts to help try to make up the difference for customers who weren't going to get as much of a tax credit. And that was my first thought when I sort of contemplated the end of this quarter is, I wonder if we'll see any kind of price adjustments from Tesla in July on, a, on any sort of similar strategy there. So... Best of luck again to everybody at Tesla who's working long hours, working real hard to try and deliver as many cars as possible. And, and you know, good luck to those of you who are trying to take delivery before the quarter ends so that you can get that, you know, it's the difference of $1,875 worth of tax credit for you. It's nothing to sneeze at. I know I heard from a couple of people via email who were saying, oh, you know, I'm thinking of ordering. What do you think? And I just said, well, if you're going to do it, just do it now. You'd be surprised. Tesla always makes a big push. You may, They may very well be able to come up with your exact configuration and get it to you by, you know, midnight on Sunday night, which is when, uh, when that deadline passed. So we'll see what happens here real soon. Tesla likely to send out delivery numbers next week, meaning, well, this week as you're hearing this. Uh, but we probably won't see the actual fiscal results, meaning profitability or not, until the earnings call, which is likely to be in uh, early August, if history holds. Next up this week, CNBC gets a tip of the cap because they've got an exclusive report on a new Skunk Works project at Tesla. And here's an excerpt from the CNBC report. They say, quote, Tesla is developing the means to manufacture its own battery cells, according to five current and recent employees, something that the electric vehicle maker has relied on Panasonic to do since the company signed an exclusive partnership deal in 2014. Tesla employees conduct some of their battery cell manufacturing research at a, quote, Skunk Works lab at the company's Cato Road facility a few minutes from its car plant in Fremont, California. Employees in Tesla's battery R&D teams are now focused on designing and prototyping advanced lithium-ion battery cells, as well as new equipment and processes that could allow Tesla to produce cells in high volumes, employees and former employees said. Even if Tesla's effort to start making battery cells is successful, the company is not likely to cut ties with Panasonic and other battery suppliers anytime soon. So that's just a chunk of their report. You can check out the full thing on CNBC if you're curious to learn any more. But I have to say, you know, it's it's not a surprise at all to learn this. This is it's it's does not phase me in the slightest that Tesla's got a a battery team that's trying to do you know maybe develop their own cells because after all, Tesla thrives on vertical integration. We've seen that time and time again, and it's something that, by the way, the CNBC piece, I should mention, you know, just <laughs> to give them a little credit, they note that themselves in their own piece that, hey, Tesla is a very, you know, they, they thrive and pride themselves on vertical integration. And, uh, you know, not only does Tesla thrive on vertical integration, but, you know, the heart, the fact is the heart of every Tesla is its battery pack. Although actually, if I stop and think about it, if we're going to do the anatomy analogy, wouldn't I guess the battery would actually be more like the lungs of the car and the drivetrain would be the heart and the software would be the brain, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um but yeah, you know, the the, the by when I say heart of the the car, whether we're talking heart or lungs, whatever we want to go with, but, you know, the, the battery is such an intrinsical part 
and 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 it's the most uh, cost prohibitive part that goes into any Tesla. So it would makes it just makes a ton of sense that Tesla would look to develop their own that they can do you know potentially develop something better and or cheaper. I mean at the very least cheaper. I'm sure that would be goal one, goal two, or at least maybe goal one A and and one B would be to make it better in addition to being cheaper. But the other thought that that sprung to mind on this is something I'll be, you know, uh, just as confident in, and I'll say this. I think you can bet lunch on the Maxwell battery tech being a part of, of these Skunk Works research efforts. There is just zero doubt in my mind about that. Uh, you know, that, that company is, that's their specialty, is advanced battery technology and research. And if Tesla's got a little group, they're probably playing with, uh, with that Maxwell tech trying to see what they can they can cook up that they can then apply you know on a grander scale at some point down the road you know that uh, and the Maxwell Tech well the Maxwell Tech and or this Skunk Works project whether or not they're both related and again I think they are but this is the kind of thing though this is why Tesla is pretty likely in my humble opinion yes I'm a fanboy but that this is why that they're likely to remain really far ahead of the pack in the electric car world. I mean, do do we want other companies to get serious about electric vehicles? Yes, of course. That's that's going to be better for all of us the more gasoline-powered cars we get off the road. But the fact is, this is part of Tesla's laser focus and their agility. You know, they can spin up a Skunk Works effort like this, and they can move quickly, they can move quietly without a lot of corporate bureaucracy to get in the way of doing stuff like this. So uh, I think we may very well hear more about these skunk work efforts at the Battery and Powertrain Investor Day event that Elon mentioned back at the shareholders meeting not too long ago. Next this week, are any of you out there in the early access program? Well, if you are, if you have your hand raised right now, uh, you may be getting your hands on the long-awaited, at this point, very, very long-awaited enhanced summon feature very soon. If you haven't already, Elon taking to Twitter to say, quote, third revision of enhanced summon, hopefully going to Tesla owners with early access later this week, meaning the end of the week that just happened. And the reason that I mention this that, that I even bother because, you know, on the surface, there's not a lot here. You know, this doesn't really seem like it's newsworthy, but the words third revision, that is what's what stopped me and made me go, hmm, let me think about this. Because, you know, videos have been posted online of uh, each of the previous two iterations. If you, if you saw any of the videos of the first early access version of Enhanced Summon, it was pretty, the car moved pretty darn slow. It looked like two miles an hour, maybe three at best. Then there were some videos a bit later uh, of revision two. That looked a bit faster for sure. You could, you could see a difference just in the, in the, in the naked eye videos. So now I'm curious what this third revision looks like. And if this will indeed be the one that ends up making it out to the entire fleet. So uh, early access friends, keep an eye out for that enhanced summon. Get Start thinking now about what empty parking lots you want to go test it out and play with it in. <laughs> and you should have it in the not-too-distant future. And I suppose if all goes well, the rest of the fleet, the rest of us, will see it You know, in the probably another month or so, sometime later this summer. The next story I've got for you this week is another state update as the number of United States that ban the sale of Tesla vehicles, either directly in name, as in Tesla, you are banned, or they're banned simply by the state having banned the sale of vehicles directly to consumers without a dealer middleman. Well, that number continues to whittle down, and this week, some possible good news, nothing definite yet, but some possible good news for Tesla out of Wisconsin. A report in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel says, quote, a last minute budget provision to make it easier to sell cars made by Tesla is aimed at winning the crucial vote of Senator Chris Kapenga, 
who has pushed for the measure in the past and owns a business that sells Tesla parts and salvaged electric vehicles. Kapenga is a longtime supporter of the Tesla proposal, but said he wasn't sure yet if he would vote for the budget. The budget measure would allow Tesla to sell its electric vehicles directly to consumers rather than having to go through dealers. Kapenga owns Integrity Motorsports of Eagle, which sells Tesla parts and rebuilds and sells salvaged Teslas, according to the company website. Kapenga said in an interview that he hasn't sold any Tesla vehicles, but has rebuilt two for him and his wife. Kapenga said he previously sold Lexus-made vehicles through the business, quote, I've made no money from it, Kapenga said. It's a hobby of mine, and just because I enjoy the product and that I'm kind of a gearhead, I don't gain materially or economically at all. That would be unethical. I'm very careful of that, end quote. Kapenga previously supported legislation that mirrors the late addition to the budget. He said he purchased his first Tesla about a year ago after he began sponsoring the legislation. Assembly Majority Leader Jim Steinecke of uh, Kaukauna, pardon me, Wisconsinites if I'm mispronouncing that, said Tesla vehicles should be sold differently from other cars because they are part of, quote, market disruptions, end quote, that are akin to other new technologies which that last bit there from Majority Leader makes no sense, in my humble opinion. But anyway, I digress. That is neither here nor there for the purposes of this story. Uh, If that all sounds a bit strange to you, well, you're not wrong. I uh, I had edited that story down to its most salient points, but uh, there are other parts of that story. So there are other legislative members who are raising conflict of interest concerns against Kapenga. There are partisan arguments in this story. There, uh, There's all kinds of weird stuff going on in this story. I mean, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. The headline, the headline on this story is provision on electric vehicles is aimed at getting GOP senator who sells Tesla parts to vote for budget. It's kind of a long headline, but... Against this, the copy editor in me, I can't help that. But yeah, so even the headline is like, what? What are you like? In other words, not the headline itself, but just the 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 content is like, wait, what's going on? So yeah, it's uh, it's very odd all around. And I do want to be clear, I'm not saying that I want Tesla to be allowed to sell their vehicles in every state by absolutely any means necessary. You know, if there's corruption or, you know, things going afoul that, you know, I'm not looking for it to pass for, for the, the law to change on those kind of, of stipulations. But uh, on a micro level, in a vacuum, it sure would be good for Tesla fans, Tesla owners, and of course, Tesla, the company itself, if Wisconsin were able to kindly remove itself from the list of states where one is not legally allowed to buy a Tesla. (laughs) Story, just a strange story. Uh, Finally this week, one last thing to mention, Top Gear reviewed the Performance Model 3 this week, and I mention this for a couple of reasons, because, you know, I don't go over every single review uh, of of any Tesla on this podcast, but Top Gear is notable for a a couple reasons. Number one, if you're not familiar with this, Top Gear has a very, I think strange would be the fairly neutral, somewhat generous way to put it, a strange history with Tesla in that uh, some years ago in the original Roadster days, they were involved in a lawsuit with Tesla over a piece they did on the original Tesla Roadster. So this is, you know, 10 years ago now. Obviously, a lot has changed since then, both on the Tesla side, the company has matured and grown a whole heck of a lot in the last 10 years, and its product line has grown, uh, in Tesla's case, exponentially from one to, what, I guess four. Well, with a fifth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth announced. But in any case, uh, Top Gear has changed as well. 
in the last 10 years because the original Top Gear hosts that did that original piece on the Roadster are gone, uh, and Top Gear now has a new, whole new crew, a whole new group of hosts. The P3D review of to- at Top Gear, it's a 10-minute video piece by Chris Harris, who I have to say generally raved about the car. I did watch the entire segment. And on that note, the, I'll tell you, the whole video is really, really well done. Uh, not just because he says nice things about the car, but the great production values on the video. Um, it's well-paced. It's well-edited. Just a really nicely put-together uh, piece of content there. And I encourage you to check it out. Now, the second reason that I wanted to note this Top Gear review is simply because I wanted to highlight my favorite line from the review. It's just one quick little line, and it totally works out of context. You don't need to see the whole review to get this and and have this put a smile on your face. This is just a great turn of phrase by Chris here. Even if I may uh, respectfully disagree with Chris in that I find the Model 3's styling a bit more appealing than he does, but nevertheless, check out how Chris described the Performance Model 3. It's an AK-47 disguised as a butter knife. I love that description. An AK-47 disguised as a butter knife. Uh, Also worth noting, Chris added on Twitter after the show aired, he said, quote, So I think I'll be buying a Tesla Model 3 quite soon. Thought it was quite impressive. Or, pardon me, thought it was so impressive. Great stuff, Chris. Welcome to the Tesla family. Actually, I'd said that was the last thing. One other quick thing that uh, just popped up. A new software update will add another fun little thing. Not a game this time, but new features for the Sketchpad, the little Etch-A-Sketch thing where you can just draw on your Tesla's touchscreen. So uh, there's going to be a uh, little just color chooser and it's just some some extra little details you'll be able to do some other neat stuff in the uh on on the sketch pad there so you you artists you uh talented finger drawing artists the <laughs> touchscreen artists can do all kinds of neat stuff here coming up and then elon replied to tesla's own corporate tweet saying quote fun little music tool coming later and following that up adding Tweak music and car karaoke. So uh, it looks like the little little more fun is is coming into our cars in the not too distant future. If you remember, he mentioned car karaoke or karaoke. Uh, a good gosh, that must have been probably six something months ago. Now it was. I mean, it wasn't crazy long ago, but it also wasn't super super recent. So it looks like that did indeed go into development and. They're going to be rolling that out fairly soon. I mean, hey, so now coming up at, at supercharger stops, you're going to have, uh, you'll look look to your left, you'll be, there'll be one car playing Beach Buggy Racing 2, you know, people in the front seat, front seats, uh, you know, dueling each other in the race. You'll look to your right, there'll be a group of, there'll be a car full of people singing, doing some karaoke. Uh, it's going to be party time at, at, the, at the Tesla superchargers in the not too distant future. I love it. So... Uh, that is now officially the end of the news I've got for you this week. Stick with me. I'll come right back. I've got a bunch of your awesome phone calls lined up in the Ride the Lightning hotline. We'll talk through everything that's on your mind right after this. Time to hear from you guys. It's the Ride the Lightning hotline where I get to listen to your comments, questions, and discussion topics as they pertain to the world of Tesla. I invite you, I welcome you to participate in this part of the show. I love it. Uh, You can participate in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record a question. Please try to keep it to minute and a half or less, 90 seconds or less, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can simply call and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. Again, 90 seconds or less would be super appreciated so that I can get to as many callers as possible each week. 
And the toll-free number that you can dial up is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put them onto a keepsake. If you'd like to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Let's pick it up uh, with Kaz in San Diego, uh, who wants to talk about the Tesla truck. Go ahead, Kaz. Hey, Ryan, this is Kaz from San Diego. I'm a new listener and started with your 200 episode interviewing Elon. Since then, I've gone back and started from the beginning. I'm about 30 episodes in, man, and I can't get enough of your love for Tesla. I wish I'd known about the podcast sooner. I'd have followed you from day one back in 2015. I'm a total Tesla nut myself. I bet we could go back and forth for hours. Congrats on your interview with the man himself. I follow everything Elon's a part of. Personally, would love to directly interface with my future Tesla one day. I want to pick your brain about this exciting cyberpunk pickup truck. I'm currently in the position you were in back before you got your Model 3. It's all I can think about. I have a John Cooper Works Mini and recently had to sell my 2500 Silverado. I miss my truck and I am bursting at the seams about this truck he's so excited about. From the latest interviews, Elon's mentions that he wants to unveil this truck by the end of the summer and definitely within this year. Given what we know about Tesla and just how long it takes from prototype to production, when do you think we'll see this thing and be able to reserve it? I'm also curious about what it might be called. I think it'd be kind of poetic to call it the Model T, but I can see how legalities might get in the way of that. Perhaps Model B for Beast. Love to hear your thoughts, man. Love the podcast. Hope to chat in the future. Kaz, welcome to the podcast, and hey, thank you for your call. And what I love about your call is that I can hear that enthusiasm in your voice. I love hearing that. Uh, Elon was right on the money, I will say, in predicting the Model Y reveal timing about 10 months early. So I would think right now it would probably be even money in Vegas on that pickup truck reveal happening sometime in September. That is where that is where I would place a small wager, not a significant one. I do think you're going to be able to reserve it right then and there when the uh, unveiling happens. That is that is typically how it's gone with Tesla. That happened uh, with both the Semi and the Roadster when they were unveiled together in November of 2017. Even though it's going to end up being a three to four year wait for those vehicles from the time that they were unveiled. In fact, I guess the semi, yeah, three years for semi and probably four, maybe more for the Roadster. Um, the, now, granted, the Model Y, they took orders, not reservations, if you want to sort of split hairs on that. But nevertheless, you could put your money down on the Model Y uh, at the Model Y event, which was obviously Tesla's most recent product unveiling. And if you do remember back to that Model Y unveiling, when Elon walked through the history of Tesla, he said that he likes to name things pretty obviously. Model S for sedan, X for crossover, 3 for third generation car, Roadster for Roadster. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tesla pickup truck literally ends up getting called the Tesla truck. The Tesla Semi appears to be getting called the Tesla Semi. So, uh, yeah, a Tesla truck wouldn't surprise me. Now, you're right that Model T won't happen because Ford would sue them. Ford threatened to sue when Tesla was going to call the Model 3 the Model E, which, by the way, was would have stood for E for everyone. So, the you know, meaning the affordable car, the model, the Tesla for everyone. But if Tesla does just call it the Tesla truck, guess what happens? Everyone can very easily call it, you know, in an unofficial capacity, the Model T. And there's nothing that Ford can do about it. So <laughs> we'll see what happens with it. Uh, again, I'm, I'm circling September on the calendar for that one. Let me go to Brian in Pennsylvania up next, calling in about the Gigafactory. Brian, you're on the air. So, hey, Ryan, Brian from Wapwallopin, Pennsylvania. Gigafactories. So the first Gigafactory, the one in California, I believe it is, not Fremont, um, regardless, 
is the world's largest building by volume. We refer then to the factory in Buffalo as Gigafactory number two. We refer to the new building being built in Shanghai, China as Gigafactory three. I always felt that for something, or the reason we call it a Gigafactory is because it is such a large, massive building being the largest building by volume. Are the Gigafactories 2 and 3 also like super large, like up, like larger than Gigafactory 1 or extremely close in size? Because if they're not, I don't feel we should be calling them Gigafactories because they're not. Looking forward to your comment. Thanks. Brian, I think I can help on this one. Gigafactory refers to the gigawatt hours worth of battery cells that the factory produces in a given year. Remember the Gigafactory's origin story that J.B. Straubel went over at the shareholder meeting a couple weeks ago and how it was about Tesla needing to build Gigafactory in the first place because they needed more lithium-ion batteries than the entire rest of the world combined for Tesla's purposes. So that's the 35 gigawatt hours of energy that Gigafactory 1 in Reno is capable of producing. Now, as of now, it's doing about 24 gigawatt hours worth, according to Elon, uh, about two months ago. So the Buffalo plant, Gigafactory 2, I presume it gets the name because at its peak, it's going to be pumping out a ton of solar panels and solar roof tiles that will generate a ton of electricity. And as for Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai, well, it is going to do less than Gigafactory 1, certainly at first, but it will scale as it goes. Maybe not eventually to Gigafactory 1 levels, but they'll be doing uh, plenty of output over there in, uh, in Shanghai. So, Brian, I hope that helps. Thanks for your call. Let me go now to Didi from New York City. And wanted to talk about, uh, let's see, Tesla service specifically. Go ahead, Didi. Hey, Ryan. My name is Didi, and I'm calling from the greater New York City area. Very much enjoy your podcast. In fact, it was one of the chief motivators uh, for our family ultimately taking the plunge and buying the Tesla Model 3, which we very much enjoy. However, I do have a question about it. There's one problem that I can't quite seem to fix, and I'm curious if anyone else has experienced this as well. Basically, in our garage, we don't have particularly good Wi-Fi, um, nor do we have particularly good cellular, although there is a signal. It's just rather weak. Uh, as a result, every time we leave the garage to go somewhere and I enter an address in the navigation system, it basically never seems to kick in properly. Uh, the orientation in the map window is incorrect, and I'm forced to do a uh, hard reset by holding those two scroll wheel buttons in uh, basically every single time I leave the garage. Um, I actually had a Tesla service person come over and take a look at this, and he basically said, well, it was because you don't have that signal very strongly in the garage, and so it needs to kind of uh, orient itself outside of the garage. But my question is, why is this necessary? You would think that um, a mapping program, especially if they're using something like Google Maps, would be able to store especially your local area in memory and not have to go through this every single time you leave a parking garage you know, underground or perhaps your own garage and so on as well. So just wondering your thoughts on this and also if anyone else might have experienced this and has any further workarounds. Obviously, the the, the best workaround will be for me to install a Wi-Fi uh, extender in my garage, which is probably what I'll do. But in the meantime, I was just curious if you had any thoughts. Thanks again and all the best. I guess by service being what your call was about, I should have looked more closely at my notes. It was more about uh, Wi-Fi and cell service. But anyway, you're right, Didi. Uh, it probably should store locally and work fine. In fact, I've experienced that. So my office parking garage isn't great with regard to uh, cell phone signal. I actually had asked, uh, not too long after I got my car, I asked our very kind parking attendant to let my car onto the Wi-Fi that he's got down there just so that I can have a better chance at pulling down software updates for the car during the day. Uh, anyway... I have seen a number of times where I hop in the car to leave work and I put in a destination 
and it's got a crappy cell signal, LTE signal, or no signal at all for a moment, and it'll just say, uh, it'll, it'll put the destination in and it'll, it'll route it, but it'll say, routing with no traffic data until I can get outside and get a stronger signal. So uh, I'm afraid I, I don't have any good suggestions for you other than what you already mentioned, which is get that Wi-Fi extender. I mean, at, at the very least, that will solve the issue. And look at it this way. You, you kind of have, you almost have to laugh to yourself a little bit uh, in that 10 years ago, even five years ago, would you ever think that you would need to buy a Wi-Fi extender so that your car could, could get updates and learn new things, new fun things like video games and, and new like driving features, etc. So it's kind of a good problem to have when you think about it. Uh, Nick from Massachusetts is up next and has a uh, question about Tesla seats. Go ahead, Nick. Hi, Ryan. This is Nick from Massachusetts. I uh, love the show. I just have a quick question for you. Um, given that the interior, the premium interior on Teslas are not true leather, what do you use to clean the interior of the car, uh, the leather or fake leather uh, seats and the true leather steering wheel? Thanks. Bye. Hello, Nick. I am happy to help on this one. Per Tesla's own instruction, I use isopropyl alcohol wipes on my white seats, followed by a baby wipe to remove any excess alcohol that's left behind and or any alcohol odor. You know, the baby wipe has a, has a nice, you know, clean smell to it. In fact, your call reminds me, I need to wipe my seats down again because it's been a little while and I've had... Uh, my grubby-handed daughter in there for it's been a while. It's just it's time. I got to get in there this weekend and and wipe it down. But uh, anyway, for the steering wheel, I'm going to be honest with you, Nick. I've never cleaned mine. I have not cleaned it yet. But I suppose because that is the one leather, actual leather part of the car, any good leather conditioner would probably do the job just fine. Um, Lexol comes. By, I don't know if that one's any good anymore. Lexol is what I had recommended to me way forever ago. It back in my DeLorean days, I would use Lexol on my DeLorean seats. But I would imagine there's probably something better than Lexol now, because you know the technologies get better all the time, even in cleaning products. So, thanks for calling in, Nick. Rob from Toronto. We're gonna head up uh, north across to the border, across the border to the home of the NBA champion Toronto Raptors. Uh, Rob has a response to some conversation in episode 203 last week. Go ahead, Rob. Hello, Ryan. It's Rob from Toronto calling again. Just listened to show 203, and it was an excellent show as usual. Congratulations. Uh, Ryan, I had two things I wanted to ask you about. First, I was hoping you might have commented on the recent problems uh, with the um, software reduction on the 85 kilowatt hour batteries. Um, I'm looking for more information on that as I'm in the market for an 85D and I'm trying to determine just how real this is and whether it in fact affects all 85 uh, battery packs or whether it affects 85Ds or P85Ds or just P85s or 85s and also whether it affects uh, packs that are manufactured in a certain years. So I was hoping you might uh, have more information on that or might be able to suggest where I might find some. I'll continue looking elsewhere as well. Uh, second comment, I, I liked your um, discussion about the recycling of batteries, and I'm sure that Tesla has uh, great intentions. Um, I just felt listening to your commentary from 2011 when they only had the Roadster on the road uh, sounded great, but it really doesn't speak at all to the current condition and situation with the new batteries they're producing for the through Model 3 and the older style batteries for the S and X, and what, if anything, Tesla actually has been accomplishing since 2011. So I would, uh, you know, I'd like to see you delve into that a little bit more and maybe have some more up-to-date information. Hopefully put it to Tesla and ask them for some um, definitive data on what they are actually doing as opposed to that commentary which sounded a bit more like what they might do in the future. Anyway, thanks, Ryan. Enjoyed the show. Bye. 
Excellent topics here, Rob. For the 85 kilowatt hour battery issue, it does seem to affect all of them regardless of trim variant. Electrek was able to confirm with Tesla that the range reduction is a real thing, with the effect being somewhere between 12 and 30 miles. The intent is to decrease long-term battery degradation and increase battery lifespan. However, Tesla notes in that same story that they are now working on another update to lessen the impact on the range. As to the recycling question, I have to say I intentionally chose the old 2011 Roadster era story in order to show how long Tesla has been thinking about this, but your request is nevertheless a very legitimate one. So Tesla, it turns out, opened a battery recycling center at Gigafactory 1 in Reno. Here's the info from greencarreports.com from April of this year. They wrote, quote, The new processing center at the company's Gigafactory in Sparks, Nevada, will process both old batteries used in customers' Teslas as well as those from its own research and development. The company says lithium, cobalt, aluminum, copper, and steel will be recovered from the batteries in a closed-loop system that optimizes the materials for new battery production. It also says it expects to save money producing new batteries from the recycled materials rather than buying new, uh, pardon me, new minerals for its batteries. The new facility should also save significant expenses and pollution from shipping batteries overseas to be recycled where many of the third-party recyclers are located. The closed, uh, let's, oh, this is a quote, let's see, from Tesla. The closed-loop battery recycling process at Gigafactory 1 represents a compelling solution to move energy supply away from the fossil fuel-based practice of take, make, and burn to a more circular model of recycling end-of-life batteries for reuse over and over again, said Tesla in its environmental report. So, Rob, I hope that helps. And by the way, if you note there, the closed-loop recycling was something we heard Tesla doing in 2011, that they'd started that with the Roadster, and now here they are in 2019, still very much employing that as well. Let me go to Jonathan in the UK, uh, commenting on a call from last week. If you remember, I put out the call in response to John from Dublin about whether right-hand drive Teslas autopilot just fine on uh, on Europe, continental European roads where they drive on the right, uh, on the right-hand side of the road from the left-hand side of the car. <laughs> Try to get that clear, and or vice versa. So uh, here's Jonathan chiming in on that to set me straight. Hello, Ryan. This is Jonathan Hodgetts from Hampshire in England. Just phoning up to answer John in Dublin's question about will right-hand drive Teslas work on continental Europe? Driving on the right-hand side of the road? The answer is no problem whatsoever. I've driven my Model X probably best part of 20,000 miles on continental Europe, and it works fine, including with the latest version of the software. The car knows where it is and works exactly the same as a left-hand drive car would in Europe. Jonathan, thank you so much for that. John and I both learned something out of that, and maybe some of you uh, out there as well. You know, I figured that the cars would be smart enough to handle it, but it's very nice to have real-world confirmation from someone that's actually done it. So cheers, Jonathan. And also, I just wanted to send a quick shout-out to Thomas from Germany, who also called in later in the week to let me know about this as well. Next is Neil from Ohio, uh, he wanted to, to chime in on the paint switch from black to, to flat white as the default color. And Neil has a unique perspective on this. Go ahead, Neil. Hey, Ryan. It's Neil from Ohio. Uh, I was a uh, Tesla employee back in the Roadster days. And the black paint uh, switch, for our standard paint switch from black to white, uh, reminds me of something that they did back in the Roadster days as well and the reasoning behind it, which may not be necessarily apparent to everyone uh, current, you know, following Tesla in the current day. And that is that black is very hard uh, to make look good for a delivery or long-term. 
So the costs of black, while it may be uh, a cheap paint or, you know, a, a less expensive paint to apply from the factory or less expensive from uh, a, uh, a, you know, cost of the actual paint, um, the cost to get it to a point where it looks good is larger uh, than the white, which hides a lot. So I think that this is a cost move, not necessarily a cost of the paint itself uh, or to shift demand. I think it is literally that a white car hides more and a black car shows more. So just so you know, uh, this was kind of done for the Roadster as well, uh, except they didn't make a standard paint, uh, I don't believe, or they shifted it to another color, but it wasn't white. Uh, but they did put a cost associated with the non-metallic black. Um, thanks for the co- podcast. Take care. This is one of those where I have nothing to add. I just want to note that that makes a whole ton of sense. So, Neil, thank you so much for calling in. And another shout-out as well, Brian from Minneapolis called in with a similar sentiment later on in the week. So just want to make sure everybody gets gets some recognition that I, I do hear everybody's calls. Mike from Pittsburgh also wants to talk about that color change, that default color change. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Mike from Pittsburgh again. Calling in regards to uh, your last episode talking about the change in color and paint options and kind of trying to figure out why they would make that change. I have a little bit of a theory. I remembered Elon, Elon talking about um, different colors and different paint options in different countries. So I had to go back and watch a couple videos. It happened at Marquez Brownlee's interview when he was walking the factory floor. At the 10 minute mark, he talks about black versus white. And he talked about how um, it's about 50-50 in the US, but there's almost no black cars in the UK. The um, Europe really likes, uh, not, not only UK, but all of Europe really likes black cars. They don't like um, white cars. So my theory is that they made this change because they're expecting to gain revenue by more European uh, prospective owners having to pay the $1,000 because white is just not as common in, in, the, uh, in the UK and all of Europe. And so um, that should boost their sales and boost their revenue by um, kind of making them pay for a color they want instead of getting a color that is not common and uh, d- doesn't really have any um, buying power in, the, in, the, in Europe. So I'm wondering your thoughts on that. I also uh, wanted a quick question. With my mid-range car, um, I'm told that it can't do the 150 kilowatt new charging opportunities. It just goes to 120. And there's also questions about if it can do the 250 when it comes out. And I'm wondering if you know anything about mid-range or, or, or uh, standard range and if we're ever going to be able to get those fast chargers. Because if it never works, I'm worried about the future proof of this car and um, if we'll ever be able to charge faster in these cars and if the technology will change or if it's just a battery composition. So uh, thanks so much for what you do. Have a good one. Mike, thank you for the call. I covered your second question last week. It does not look like the mid-range or standard range cars will get the full 250 kilowatt V3 supercharging peak rate. It's not confirmed yet, but it's not looking good. As for your paint theory, I remember that Marquez video as well, and you may very well be onto something there. Europe is a huge market as Tesla continues to get more prominent there, you know, country by country. So it may indeed uh, be a good way for Tesla to bring in some extra revenue in a crucial territory for them. Next, Jersey from the East Bay is a Model X owner and has a particular concern about something in the car. Go ahead. Hi, Ryan. Jersey here from the East Bay. Love your podcast and thank you very much for all your work uh, giving us all this information about Tesla's news. Uh, I have a Model X. I got it sometime before Christmas last year. And uh, recently, I started noticing some yellow lines around my the edge of my MCU on the touchscreen console. Um, I checked with the service department. They mentioned that they have some issue with the MCU and need to replace it, the whole entire thing. So, um, but they won't be able to get the parts for at least a few months. I was wondering if you or any other user knows anything about these issues uh, and do you know if this is going to affect the vehicle driving? Uh, Appreciate your feedback. Thank you very much. 
So Jersey, this is a somewhat common issue now that's popping up, and I'm sorry that it's happening to you. Now, the good news is it should not affect the operation of the car at all. It'll just be a little ugly to look at. And I'm glad to hear that service is going to get to this for you under warranty. Uh, it seemed like there was sort of a con confusion's not the right word, but there was. It seemed like early on in this that Tesla was saying uh, they weren't going to cover it. I had a, a caller or two in the last few weeks, I think, that had mentioned that. But uh, they, I have also seen elsewhere this week that other people are getting it taken care of. So it seems like a thing that Tesla is on top of, and they've sort of figured out and are now rolling out uh, the, the repair for. So um, Tesla should be taking care of you, and that is good news. So best of luck to you. Thanks so much for calling in. One more call this week. Last and certainly not least, Mike from Ottawa. We're going to go back up north across the U.S.-Canadian border. Has questions before purchasing a standard range plus. See if I can help Mike. Hey Ryan, it's Mike from Ottawa. Longtime IGN fan, new Tesla podcast fan, and first time caller. I have a few questions for your listeners um, and yourself before I can purchase my Tesla Model 3 Standard Range Plus. Uh, I need to find a way to get out of my five year lease of my Honda Civic that I purchased too quickly last year. I made a pulse buy last year before the Model 3 became affordable. My problem now is that it's a huge buyout to get out of. Um, does any of your listeners or yourself have a recommendation on the best way to, uh, or affordable way to get out at least? I've been putting the car on some different websites and uh, trying to find somebody to transfer the lease to with no success so far. So that's uh, kind of my first point. My second point is, is, is there really uh, no heated seat in the back seat of the standard range plus? So that's one of my questions I have. So my last point is something I just found out yesterday. Not that I was on the fence already, but this just solidifies the fact that I need this car. For any of your Amazon Alexa users, there's a skill that allows you to control your car with your smart speaker, meaning you can say something like, Alexa, tell the car to turn on the AC. Um, so that's that's pretty neat. Uh, so anyways, keep up uh, the amazing work in both your day job and evening job. Uh, you're great at what you do and uh, loving the podcast. Can't wait to get my hands on my Tesla, hopefully sooner rather than later. Hey, Mike, thanks for giving the podcast a try. I'm really glad you found it. I have to say I have no experience with car leases. I've never done one. Uh, none, nobody in my immediate family has done one, so I can't help you on the first question, but as you know, perhaps somebody in the audience has either a good strategy for you here or a resource that they can point you to that can help, so I invite anybody to call in or, or email me uh, if they want to try and help Mike out. Now, you are correct about the rear seats in the Standard Range Plus Model 3. They are not heated. So, um, Mike, I'm sorry I don't have any really good news for you. I have sort of a, a, a shoulder shrug and, a, and, a, and bad news on your first call, but I encourage you to stick with me, keep calling in. And, uh, but it's good that you're doing the research on the car, though. I mean, that's you want to go in making an informed decision, particularly you know if you're if you're looking to get out of a lease just to, to then get into a Model Three. That's you know it's not an easy financial thing to do or or something that should be taken lightly. So, uh, best of luck in your quest, and keep me updated on that. All right, thanks to everybody for calling in in the Ride the Lightning Hotline again. I welcome and encourage your calls. Give me a ring at the, uh, you know, two different ways to call in. I mentioned it at the top of the segment. For now, quick, short little musical interlude, and then I'll come right back, tell you about the spirit of adventure this week, the pro tip of the week, and then wrap things up right after this. Well, as for what I've been up to with my car, which I've named The Spirit of Adventure in, uh, in tribute to Up, my favorite Pixar movie, I got version 20.4 this week and played some Beach Buggy Racing 2 with my daughter. I didn't tell her about it. I just brought her down to the garage and said, oh, come on in and have a seat. And she's kind of wondering what the heck's going on. She's seven. And I let her, I let her sit in the driver's seat and I let her use the wheel and the pedals, you know, and, and I and I hopped over to the other side. We did a little two-player. I let her, uh, and then I, I I played by myself when she 
was done so she could kind of watch and see how it was played a little bit. But uh, it was fun. We had a good time. She's still a bit too short to reach the pedals, even with her you know hands on the wheel, but she did seem to have fun. Uh, it's just, again, it's... Granted, I'm biased because I work in the video game world and I've been a video game player for most of my life, but for me, it's just really great to see more and more games get added to the Tesla fleet beyond just the old school Tesla Tari stuff uh, as you know, more of the newer things start to become available. I mean, the Tesla Tari stuff's great. Don't get me wrong. It's like a nice throwback, but to see actual modern games come to the Tesla as, as a, you know, this new platform is just awesome. It's just so much fun. Bring on Cuphead. I cannot wait to see what Cuphead is going to, is going to be like in that car. I mean, it's, you know, I told you about it when, when it happened, when I followed up with, uh, with the developers and I have every reason to believe it's going to look and feel on a controller really, really good. So, uh, we'll look for that later on in the summer per Studio MDHR, which is the name of the development team responsible for Cuphead. Let's do the pro... T- oh, wait, no, one other thing. That's right. I wanted to mention uh, that I took Daisy to work with me for a few days last week. And I have to say, there's just this little feature in the Model 3 that I, I just love. And it's the air conditioning vent. It's the climate vent that's on the back of the center console. Uh, I love that it's there and I love that it's smart enough to automatically get turned on or off depending on whether or not the car detects people in the back seats. Now it's in my experience, it Daisy's 55 pounds. It doesn't tend to detect her when she's sprawled out across two or even all three of the back seats. But the nice part is it's, it's easy enough to turn on that, that climate vent manually from the climate menu uh whichever side she's on daisy loves she just rests her face she like hangs her head off of the rear seat bench in the middle like right in front of that vent she loves having that ac blowing uh gently onto her face and you know hey i know i know that a lot of cars have a a rear facing air conditioning vent rear you know for the back seat it's nothing unique to Tesla, but it's the first time I've ever had it in a car, and I love it. So uh, I guess that's that's my own little mini, mini, mini pro tip of the week is uh, that the the a the car is smart enough to toggle that rear climate vent on or off depending on whether it detects anything in the back seat, and b you can turn it on manually if you want to. Uh, you'll see the button in the lower right corner of the climate menu time for the real pro tip of the week let's go to matt from denver and it's related to homelink the automatic garage door opening functionality that all the teslas up until super recently at least all the model all the model threes up until recently have and and uh, but most of the fleet has this capability so matt go ahead hi ryan this is matt from denver colorado Before owning a Tesla, I considered buying a Wi-Fi-enabled garage door opener so I could open my garage from my iPhone. I never did, and today I'm happy I did not. Check out this feature. Launch the Tesla app, click on Summon. Once your car is connected, you'll notice the Homelink icon in the upper right. If you tap this icon, you can open your garage door by using your Tesla's Homelink system remotely. I hope this helps someone in the Tesla community. Keep up the great work, Ryan. Well, that's a new one to me, and I'll bet it's new to a lot of other folks as well. In fact, I, I just took a look at uh, my Tesla app, and sure enough, there it is in the upper right corner of the summon screen. So thank you for that one, Matt. Super appreciate it. Uh, what can I tell you here before I go? The number one way to support the podcast, if you so choose, is on Patreon. You can find more information on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash tesla podcast patreon is spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n i've got uh several different tiers of support they're all just additional benefits you know nothing's ever walled off from you for the regular weekly show here that's always going to come every sunday at 9 a.m eastern 6 a.m pacific but uh you know a lot of time a lot of energy 
uh, does go into this podcast. So if you see fit to support me, you can uh, go on the Patreon page and, and see how might make the most sense for you to do that. There's the uh, there's one tier that'll get you early access to each week's episode. If you go up from there, you'll get that and a monthly bonus episode of the show. If you go up above that, you'll get those two things and your name shouted out at the end of the show, which I'll do here in just a couple minutes, etc., etc. But in any case, Patreon. Uh, abstractocean.com, meanwhile, is a wonderful purveyor of fine aftermarket Tesla goods, whether it's tempered glass screen protectors for the Model 3, center console wraps for the Model 3. Uh, I know in my car, it's, it's one of the first things I did because th- that Model 3 center console, that glossy, that piano black glossy finish, if you look at it wrong, it scratches. <laughs> and it just gets a lot of fingerprints. So I was more than happy to get a wrap onto mine to, uh, to minimize that. And Abstract Ocean has a bunch of different styles of wrap, like a carbon fiber, just, you know, different, different looks that you can uh, check out there. If you are a first-time customer to Abstract Ocean, you can get 15% off of your first order by using the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, one of the Bay Area's premier car detailers, They've taken such good care of me. Uh, They're currently offering a special $100 off of any ceramic coating or paint protection film package. Or if you do a full body paint protection film, so over the whole car, they are offering $250 off of that service. So you can get in touch with Immaculate Reflections at uh, their website, which is irdetailing.com. You can also look up their work on Instagram at instagram.com slash immaculate reflections, or pardon me, immaculate underscore reflections. And on Yelp, it's yelp.com slash immaculate reflections, all one word. Let's see here. Ah, the Jada wireless charging pad for Model 3. For you, those of you with Qi compatible wireless charging smartphones, which I think Pretty much most of the newer phones are now. So you can get that capability in your Model 3. You buy it once and you're done forever. You've got you've got it for the life of the car. Uh, sadly, I don't have a discount code to offer you, but I do have a referral link. So should you decide you wanted to buy one, I would be very humbled and flattered if you would kindly use my referral link because they'll throw me a few bucks if you uh, click through this way so that, uh, so that they know you came from me. That link is getjada.com, that's J-E-D-A, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Ah, what else? Ah, 1,000 miles of free supercharging with a referral code if you are ordering your Tesla. Please use somebody's referral code, ideally not mine. Hopefully you find a friend, family member, coworker, where you can both benefit from those 1,000 free supercharging miles, but... If I am the only Tesla person in your life so far and you just need a code, you can use mine. Type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 to order your car uh, with those supercharging benefits baked in. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at DMC underscore Ryan. And I think... That will about wrap it up. Outside of thanking the Patreon producers, the wonderful folks supporting me at the producer tier, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salaz, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Josh, Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, 
My Tesla Adventure, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Lambert Lee, Chris Knesnick, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, and Charlie Gillespie. Thank you all so much for your continued support. And a final reminder that if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, that's a totally free thing. Please do so on your favorite podcast service, because what that means is that the show will push to you automatically each week. You don't have to go seek it out. It will seek you out. (laughs) So you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or YouTube. And a reminder that TuneIn is what's in your Tesla. You can, yes, you can subscribe and listen to this podcast in your Tesla, should you so choose. For a, uh, let's see, Daisy the Boxer Puppy, who looks like she wants to go out now one more time before bed. Perfect timing, pups, because I'm just finishing up. Uh, My name's Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you all so much for joining me each and every week right here on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun.